0: Don't hit that delete button. You got the right show. It's The Statement Show with guest Dale Die. But first, help support the show. Go to thestatementshow.com and click the affiliate link. Go ahead and click on the Amazon link and do all your shopping. Bookmark the website and continue to do your shopping to help support the show. We get a little kickback and you get fantastic products through Amazon. Again, that's thestatementshow.com forward slash affiliates or go to the website and just click on the link. And now, Dale Die.
1: Hey, this is Dale Dye, and you're listening to The Statement Show with Terry and Zach. Stay tuned. From the Night Shift Crew
2: Studios in the D.C. metro area, this is The Statement Show. The lights are on.
0: Hi, this is Chris Adoyas. Hi, this is Zach Ward. Hello, everybody. It's Tony Todd.
2: Hi, this is Lillian Garcia from the WWE. Hey, this is your list Kiro Kurt Angle.
0: Howdy, y'all. This is Michael Hall, Green Beret combat veteran and TV personality. You're listening to The Statement Show with Zach and Terry. So get ready to make a statement. Welcome
2: back to The Statement Show.
0: I'm Terry James. And I'm Zach Chehi. And we are the podcast. fits in no category.
2: Today, we are joined by Captain Dale Dye. Dale is an actor, technical advisor, radio personality, and writer. He's also a retired U.S. Marine Corps officer, decorated Vietnam veteran. His company, Warriors, Inc., specializes in training actors in war films to portray their roles realistically. What, you're still not impressed? Okay, how about this? Dale earned three Purple Hearts, which are awarded in the name of the president to those wounded while serving in the military. He starred in, a don't know, a few small movies you might have heard of called Platoon, Born on the Fourth of July, Band of Brothers, and Saving Private Ryan, just to name a few. Dale has worked with the who's who of Hollywood, and today he gets to add our name to his resume. Dale Die, welcome to the Statement Show.
1: Hey, thanks, guys. I'm I'm glad to put you on the resume, such as it is, <laughs> and, uh, and and thanks thanks for the kind words. I appreciate of it,
2: of course, man. And you know what? It is an absolute honor to have you on with us. Your your resume speaks for itself. We we
1: yeah, I think I think my reputation exceeds me, but uh, okay, good. <laughs> I'm with
0: you. The only two military people that most people know in the mainstay of all movies is either yourself or Lee Remy. Those are the two. Lee Ermy. Yeah, Remy. Yeah. So am I saying that right? Yeah, Remy. Yeah, well, What do Erme. I have Erme. to do here? <laughs> Pay attention. It's Lee Ermy.
2: <laughs> See, that Marine Corps is already coming out on him, Zach. You better watch it. Yeah, man.
1: it happens all the time. Shows up like a bad penny. You know, it's <laughs> one of those things.
2: Well, you know what? I'm glad that, you know, I want, believe me, I want to get into the movies. I want to get into your. Or a company, I want to, the military aspect of everything. Is just something that uh, you're the Purple Hearts, all the all your decorated things that you may have. Please talk to us how you actually got into the military.
1: Well, um, I, I actually was kind of lost. Uh, I, I went to military schools, uh, Missouri Military Academy in Mexico, Missouri, and. Uh, I really uh, wanted to go to the Naval Academy and do the whole standard route, uh, but I played too much football and baseball and didn't study enough, and so I failed the exams for the Naval Academy not once but three times. <laughs> and uh, I was kind of at a loss. I, I, there was no money for college, and in those days, uh, you know, they didn't have all the grants and scholarships and so on and so forth. So I was kind of, you know, I was faced with uh, sticking around southeast Missouri and banging my head into farming or cotton picking or something, and and that, I just, I always felt I was an adventuresome kid, and I always felt that there was a greener pasture over the hills, so I said, you know, I need something that's going to kick my ass, I need something that's going to kickstart whatever the hell this life has in store for me, and, and I, one day I, I walked past a post office and I saw this poster and there was this rock jawed Marine in dress blues standing at parade rest. And he said, are you ready? And I looked at that and I said, shit, I think I am. So I went in and uh, enlisted uh, in the Marine Corps and uh, it was, it was a hell of a, a dance and uh, I never looked back. I think it, I think it built my character and it, it shaped who I am and, and later sort of led me down some very weird roads and and uh... you know it gave me a taste of combat and uh... it 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 led me to understand that there is something really really special it's uh... combat is a is an event thank god that not many people experience uh... on the whole but but it runs the full gamut of human emotions you see the worst of mankind and the best of mankind and and I was wise enough, even at that age, to pay attention to that and to assimilate it. And uh, and so I, I look at the entire 21-year experience as uh, as a blessing.
2: Mm. You spent 21 years total, but 13 of those enlisted, correct?
1: That's right. I was I enlisted originally and and went all the way up to the rank of master sergeant, relatively high in the enlisted uh, grades, and then. Um, there were people. The Marine Corps was was undergoing a sort of an agony, as were, as were the other services after Vietnam, trying to trying to come up to the all volunteer force and and clean up the ranks and get rid of the Vietnam stink. And and uh, some senior officers came to me and said, "Listen, we need you to be an officer. We need young guys who have experienced it, who know it, who know it from both ends of the spectrum." Uh, to be commissioned, and you know, I said, "Well, okay, whatever you say, Coach." And and uh, <laughs> they sent me to Quantico, and um, I became an officer, and uh, and then finished out my career, um, made it to the rank of captain, um, had one more uh, kind of quasi combat tour in Beirut, 1982-83, Beirut, Lebanon, um, and then um, I was kind of uh, kind of through with it. What and what that's, did you that's abrupt? But
2: yeah, no, no, no. no. And what what did you notice as like the major difference between the enlisted versus the commission? Was there a, was there a huge difference?
1: Yeah, there was. Um, you know, I had made a lot of friends and and a lot of uh, very close associates uh, as an enlisted guy. Uh, the Marine Corps is a small pond, and and you become a big fish in it if you're any good at it. Um, and so when I was commissioned, I had to sever some of those relationships or change them. And that was, uh, that was tough. Uh, it was also a matter of, of a larger view of leadership. I had, to, I had to always look at a bigger picture. What was, what was good for the organization, not just what was good for my little small click. Um, and, and leading at that level is, is, is a real character builder. Um, if you pay attention and if you try to do it right, um, and i think i think it it, it emboldens uh, your warrior spirit if you have one of those to begin with and i did um so it it was uh, it was kind of the the capstone i think it it taught me how to lead it taught me how to understand people how to deal with people how to how to uh take them in extremis and train them and and make them understand uh, that they must rely on each other especially in extremists and and that all sounds like leadership psychobabble but uh there it is and and that's what i was feeling at the time that left you absolutely silent didn't it <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: it's a lot to take in i mean from the transition to um when you got out of the military what made you decide to try to get into hollywood where how did you make that transition
1: well, it, it was a kind of a strange deal. I mean, I, I left the military not really planning to. But to tell you a little story, um, when the bombing of the Marine barracks happened in Beirut in October of, uh, of uh, 1983, um, I, had, I had a lot of friends uh, that I had served with there that were lost in that bombing. And, and it was totally unnecessary. And and we had warned them that something like that was going to happen. And politics got in the way of, of tactical decision making. And it kind of broke my warrior spirit. It kind of broke my warrior's heart. And I said, you know, um, I told myself on the day I was commissioned that when the day came that I couldn't look my Marines in the beady ass eyeballs and tell them, follow me, it is necessary that we die. When that day came, then I was I was not fit to lead. And so, uh, with that, I decided to retire. Fortunately, I had enough time in to retire rather than just get out. Um, and I was really at a loss of what to do with myself. I mean, I knew that I'd been shot too many times to want to be a cop. Um, and and you know, if I'd have been a cubicle rat or a defense contractor, I'd have killed myself in about six months. Uh, not that spirit. I'm not that guy. Um, so I began to think about, you know, what what's unique about me? What what do I have that I can bring to the civilian table? And I didn't, <laughs> frankly, I didn't find much. Uh, but what I did find was that I was a, a war movie fan. I had seen every military movie there was, I think, um, for obvious reasons. That was my life. And I wanted to see it portrayed on screen. But the, the common denominator was that those movies mainly just pissed me off. Mm-hmm. And the reason was... They didn't reflect who we were, who we really were, how we act, how we talk, how we relate to each other. Uh, and not only that, but they got a lot of the detail wrong, which unnerves and pisses off every veteran, whoever sees it. Uh, and so I said, well, look, I've got nothing to lose here. Um, why don't I just go out to Hollywood and grab those bastards by the stacking swivel and and tell them what they're doing wrong and tell them I can fix it? So I did that uh, and frankly uh I wasn't well received. Um you know the, the the movie industry had made war movies and made zillions of dollars for years without a guy like me and some new idea about training their actors. Um but I had that idea and I I wanted I wanted to do it because I felt I understood the power of the popular medium. Uh you're part of that by the way. <laughs> for good or ill. And uh, and so I understood that if, if we were to, if we were going to really shed some long overdue um, light on the sa- service and sacrifice of the men and women who wear our uniform, then it had to be done through their media. Uh, so movies were the answer and television was the answer. Uh, so I wanted a job in that and I wanted a job in that coaching people on how to do proper military films. Well, um, you know, I guess when you're ignorant, you can do a lot of things that people tell you you can't do. And I was certainly ignorant, but, but I, I, I just kept fixing bayonets and banging my head against a wall out here in LA. And eventually I, you know, I got little jobs here and little jobs there helping do this, helping do that and learning how movies actually work. And, and then finally I ran into a notice in a trade paper. Uh, Daily Variety, as a matter of fact, that said that a, rel- a heretofore relatively unknown writer-director by the name of Oliver Stone was uh, going to do a, a movie about Vietnam based on his experience as a combat infantryman. And I said, well, Jesus, there it is. Um, if If I can just reach this guy, he'll get what I'm trying to say. He'll understand how I think a movie like that should be done. And through a, a series of, of kind of nefarious exercises involving payola and lots of liquor and various other things, I managed to get his home phone number and I called him um, and I said, look, you don't know me. I don't know you. But if what I read is true, I, I wish you'd hear me out. I have an idea about how to do this. And I guess nobody but Oliver Stone who's kind of a, you know, a character that comes at you out of left field. Um, he nobody else would have listened to that, but he did. And he let me make my pitch. And he said, you know, I think you may have something we need to meet. Uh, we did meet. And we talked over my theory and, uh, and his experience and my experience. And he decided to give me 33 actors and let me take them into the mountains and the jungles of the Philippines and train them to be who he and I were when we were 18, 19, and 20. And I did that. And we brought them down out of the mountains after a very very rugged three week curriculum, um, completely cut off from everything except me. And uh, and we made this little five million dollar film, brought it home, and won four Academy Awards, and uh, including Best Picture. And, and Oliver was kind enough to recognize how much I had contributed. And at that point, it was onward and upward. I mean, nothing succeeds in Hollywood like success. Mm. Um, so, I you know, everybody was calling me wanting to do something like Platoon and to have me on the set and, and to train them and to stage the actors, train the actors and stage the combat and that sort of thing. And. And that, in uh, in way too many words, is is how it happened.
0: So when you when 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 you had all the actors together and you're doing that little boot camp, you kind of make it sound like that was kind of the first time that they put a group of actors together, did a boot camp. You kind of had an idea of how to do it. Were any of them? Yeah, it, were they resistant to well, it or? Uh,
1: no. no. Uh, what are you going to resist? But at any rate, uh, I'll, I'll answer that a little bit later. It, look, guys long before me had been listed in credits as, as technical advisors,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but they they had done it in a sort of a superficial fashion. They taught them how to wear the uniform and, and put the ribbons on the right side and how to carry the weapon and how to wear their gear, and that's fine. Uh, but I I knew that the real secret, the real heart of it, was living in extremis living on the edge and understanding that there is a there is a bond there is a relationship that forms and that and that that's the real definition of of love and 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 you have to get to that and nobody was willing to go that deep was willing to go that far well i was um and i did Um, But it's it's a very rugged experience. It always was. It always is. And I intend it to be that way. Um, These days, actors know about it. They know about, you know, Captain Dye's method. Uh, So they like it and they expect it and they don't resist it. Now, I have had people push back. But the, the theory is that they're so isolated that where are they going to push back to I and mean, what are they going to do? I got them. It's like enlisting. You know, you're screwed. Yeah. And and that's part and parcel of learning what it's about. And so I use that. Does that answer the question? Or? Absolutely.
0: I mean, I got I got a small glimpse. Everybody can get a small glimpse of it when they watch the. If you get like the box set of Band of Brothers, it has like the making of it, mm. and it has that little training to have. Yeah, kind Captain, of the, yeah. Captain Nixon's Diary. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah, that right. was, by the way, uh, incredible. I, I loved I love that that uh, that mm. mini series. I, I I thought you did a great job on that. So absolutely, well, thanks. Guys. Um, Appreciate that. But everything you're involved with, it seems you you bring a certain reality to it, which I think is what people come to expect now so it's kind of like you raised the bar so I don't think anybody can Do you, are you like the go to for most of these do you feel or do you have like other guys you bring into the projects now and you don't do as much you kind of pull yourself back a little bit
1: well um, the answer is yeah I've got a staff of guys uh, my executive officer Mike Stokey he has been with me since we were kids in Vietnam mm-hmm. uh, I've known him for 50 years and, and he's been my number one guy um, in Warriors Incorporated uh, ever since we started um, and so uh, I, I kind of spread the wealth. Uh, the thing, the thing that's interesting is that I quickly found out that war movies are made only occasionally. And so you you maybe do one, or if you're lucky, two a year. Uh, and then there's three or four years where nobody's doing war movies anymore. So you need something to kind of uh, pay the bills, you know, keep keep people working and keep yourself busy. Mm-hmm. So I kind of expanded uh, the whole concept. Uh, and at this point, we've done music videos for Green Day and Alice in Chains, and uh, we've done uh, video games uh, for Electronic Arts, the Medal of Honor series. Uh, we've done themed entertainment where we actually um, went to Las Vegas uh, when the Las Vegas Hilton had the Star Trek The Adventure ride. Uh, we trained the entire staff of actors how to be Star Trek. You know that that's all built on a kind of a quasi-naval uh, thing, and they wanted us to train them, so we've done that. Um, I've always been a writer, so uh, uh, about four or five years ago, I established a publishing company, which is going great guns now, and not only carries my books, but about 21 or 22 other great authors, and and uh, and so you know it's it's just about keeping busy and keeping the basic agenda in mind and the agenda is really rather simple uh, i intend and have always intended to shine some Long overdue and much deserved uh, light on the men and women who wear the military uniform.
2: I want to back up real quick. I know you were in the Vietnam War, and obviously that was a a very controversial time and a very controversial war. But at that time, Mm -hmm. were were you ever conflicted about going there, or just because you were in the military, you hey, you were told to go, so you go? I mean, or was was there something in your mind just going, man, I don't know if this is right. I don't know if this feels right.
1: Yeah, I, I. I had that conflict um but I also had a sense of responsibility um look I I swore an oath um and I swore an oath to lead uh, to obey um and and so I did that and I, I did that sometimes with a kind of a heavy heart especially late in the war around the 1969-1970 period um when things were really getting bad there and uh, at home where resistance to the war had really uh fleshed out and become manifest in all sorts of riots and protests and various other things and and I had a kind of a, a heavy heart uh, about it but I knew what my responsibility was I mean uh I I could have just said no I quit but I looked at I looked at that war as as a you know a bump um it was it it really in the overview had nothing to do with the honor and prestige of the military if, if it cast any shadows on honor and prestige, it cast honor and prestige on the political leadership of the United States. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly not me, and certainly not the men and women I was serving with. So I, I ducked my head and, and
0: with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I remember when the movie first came out. I, I wasn't that old myself, but I was. I remember seeing on the news that it was a lot of people thought it was very controversial at the time when it came out. Um, I guess it was just that people weren't used to seeing movies in that fashion. So uh my dad yeah was, they weren't uh, my dad was in, in Vietnam and my dad was in Vietnam and he I remember him renting the video when it came out on on uh VHS and he didn't he never really talked about his time in Vietnam, but uh he had a hard time with that movie. So but in and he didn't like to talk about it very much. So even I asked him, you know, what'd you think? He said it was pretty good and that was about as much as he gave me. And he told me years later that and he enjoyed it, but it was kinda of a hard thing to watch. So uh-huh.
1: Yeah, it was, and and look, it what it what it did for me was it proved the power of the medium mm-hmm. that that I sensed when I started this. It what happened uh, because of the timing, I guess. Uh, we brought Platoon out in in nineteen eighty five or thereabouts, and uh, and the nation that was ten years after the official end of the war in nineteen seventy five. So the nation still had that residual uh, reluctance to talk about it. It was a painful experience in American society. And a whole generation of veterans had literally gone into some dark closet with it, just as your dad did. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they didn't talk about it. They didn't want to deal with it. Um, it was over. They did their part and, you know, get on with life. Uh, I got that. But. But it was a, a a canker. It was a festering boil in the stomach of our society, I think. and And when we faced it, full on, no bullshit, no no punches pulled with with a film like platoon, I think what happened is a lot of that ice that had formed around so many veterans melted. They were able to take wives and parents and say, "Look." Uh, I'm not gonna say anything but I want you to watch this movie and that's why I'm not gonna say anything and people got it uh, it was amazing I mean geez I found myself along with Oliver Stone on the Oprah Winfrey show you know talking to people about and and <laughs> that was certainly not something I expected but <laughs> but it proved to me that you can use the medium the motion picture and television medium um, for for really good societal purposes. Not, not that movies should always be made with some kind of big candy-ass message in them. I, I don't care about that. They have an obligation to entertain for the 20 bucks you put over the, uh, the till at the, at the ticket booth. But, but there's also a power there. There's a power to influence thinking, and there's a power to explain and expand on things uh, that, that people are concerned with. And, and that's part and parcel of what I wanted to do. And, and hopefully I got some of it done.
2: Of all the war, you know, the combat movies that you've been in or or maybe even just seen, what do you feel is is like the most real to life? Was it Platoon or is there another one out there that just really hits home that you can honestly say that they've done such a fantastic job with?
1: Well, look, I I love I love a bunch of war movies. Uh, I especially love the ones I've done. But um, (laughs) but but Platoon is an example. Band of Brothers is an example of of how bringing that verisimilitude, that truth. And not only in 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 the the look of it, but in the relationships between the soldiers. That's that's what counts. That's what that's what's so alien to most people who've never experienced it. And I love showing that. Uh, but I I like movies. Uh, for instance, there's a little movie by Sam Fuller uh, called Steel Helmet, which is a tour de force in relationships of combat men. I love that movie. Um, the business of of uh, uh, the sacrifice that families make and and things like that is is I think brought to the fore in movies like The Bridges at Toko Um And so those those movies that examine the the experience of soldiering are my favorites.
2: Full Metal Jacket. Did you you like that one or is that kind of like a a comedy? The
1: funny thing about it is that Full Metal Jacket was based on a on a book called uh, The Short Timers um, Mm. by a guy who was actually in my unit in Vietnam, uh, Mm. Gustav Haspert. Mm -hmm. He's dead now. God bless him. But um, Stanley Kubrick took that film. And, for you know, very wisely hired Lee Ermey uh, to do the mm-hmm. drill instructor role. Lee was a real drill instructor. Mm-hmm. And so it became 50 percent of a great movie. Mm-hmm. And that's the first 50 percent with Lee <laughs> yeah. and the boot camp sequences. That was absolutely fantastic. Yes. But then he fell through his ass on uh, on uh, the Battle of Waste City, which I was in, mm-hmm. uh, in Ted of 1968. And he, he just made it look like, you know, a, a battle that involved one female sniper. I mean, believe me, it was much more than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I didn't, I didn't think much of it. Uh, so it, when I watch it, I watch the first half and turn it off.
0: Wow, I gotta agree. <laughs> Not yeah, that I'm trying no, to agree, yeah.
1: uh, both, agree. Both people you, do, yeah. I, yeah. I, I
0: love the first half of the movie. Um, there's but, just something yeah. about it that seems real. Yeah, but,
1: Lee knocked it right out of the park. It was right. amazing.
0: Yeah, exactly. When you think, when you think, um, drill sergeant, his image just pops in your head. That's the only thing
1: you <laughs> think of. Yeah, so. it does. Yeah, yeah. that's <laughs> his legacy. He's gonna live with that for the rest of his life.
2: So. Yeah, I've, we've got to get him on the show. That guy uh, is so amazing. Yeah, you got to. Yeah, yeah. Hey,
1: he's fun.
0: So, yeah. uh. About buddy of mine who was in the military he was in the army uh he he heard we were going to have you on he he loves your your work and uh he wanted me he had a couple questions for me he wanted to ask so i'm going to throw one out to you he says we're all excited about your new movie citizen soldiers coming out he says Mm -hmm. i know i am without giving away anything what was it like working on the set and can you tell us anything we should be excited to see
1: There is no set. Um, (laughs) Citizen Soldiers is still in development. Uh, It's a story about the Battle of the Bulge, uh, the 28th Infantry Division. Uh, It's a great story. It's a great script. Um, And I've been helping with with that script. And and, uh, right now, the plain truth of the matter is the producers are still out trying to raise money to get it
0: made. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right um let's see i want to ask one more of his questions uh his name's eric saunders by the way like i said he's a big fan of yours. okay answer. let's see uh i'm sure there's a, always a tight schedule when you're shooting a movie but outside of that what are any times while serving as a technical director that you feel overwhelmed or do you do situations like that
1: well i've i've learned to handle them uh i learned the shortcuts and uh eric will be glad to hear that uh it's it's much like fighting a battle uh you you pick your battles. Uh, some things are worth fighting over and and delaying and taking your time with and some aren't. Uh, and the key is the magic is knowing which which one is which. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I get I get frustrated, uh, especially with directors who are obsessed with. Uh, well, this is obsessed is the wrong verb. But, um, you know, it's time and money. And I want to get everything absolutely right. I want to I want those moments in the film when the hair stands up on on veterans arms and and they get goose flesh. Um, and some directors just don't they don't see it or they they don't have time for it. And so I try to sneak it in. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the key is to know the shortcuts. The key is to know how you can work around and get it in there, whether he wants it in there or not. Um, and if you do it in a subtle fashion and if he respects your ability and your talent, uh, it works out. Uh, it was much harder when I first started than it is now.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. You know, something,
2: I, I tell you what I want to hear, Zach, I got to hear about these three purple hearts, Dale, how exactly do you earn? You know, it wasn't one, th- you, you get one and then you grab a yeah. second. Now three is just showing off, Dale. How do you end up with, <laughs> how do you end well, up with you, three purple
1: hearts, man? You you have to be the enemy's best target. Uh, you know, that's, that's the, that's the bad guy marksmanship badge. Um, uh, it, you know, I was, I was in a lot of, of close combat and, um, you know, a couple of times I got hit with rounds, um, and had to recover. Uh, I was fortunate enough that none of them were so bad that, that, uh, you know, I, I couldn't continue to serve. So it it was a matter of, you know, being patched up in a hospital. And, uh, and then interestingly, they would generally say, well, um, you want another job or you want to go back. And of course I said, I want to go back because I felt that, you know, as a, as a professional, that's where I belong. I belonged up on the line. Um, so uh you know you you get hurt um but it's it's all part of part and parcel of the game i mean uh and game is I say that flippantly but but it's part and parcel of what you're trying to do uh there's pain involved, and the other guy gets a vote, you know he'll he'll shoot at your ass, and you better be good enough to duck, and three times I wasn't so <laughs> um and and there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, things that, that happen, uh, high explosive, you know, when they're throwing mortars around or they're throwing grenades around and you get, you just spattered with shrapnel and, uh um, you know, metal pieces of the shell casing, uh, and, uh, you know, that stuff can hurt and it can cripple. Um, but I was fortunate enough to be able to, uh, to go on and, and the answer, the answer to your question directly is, um, uh, I got hurt and I said, uh, I want to get healed and I want to get back. And uh, that's what I did.
2: Now, since, you know, since you've I mean, even when you were in, but now obviously now that you're out PTSD, is that something that you ever had to deal with?
1: I did. Um, but I was fortunate enough there there was a period of about 10 years after the war. Um, when it was very difficult for me to deal with civilians of any ilk, we wouldn't have been having this conversation. I didn't realize at the time it was PTSD, um, because, uh, frankly, we didn't know that term. Um, it, it was just anger I felt and, uh, and I had to get out of it. I had to shake out of it and I, I eventually did. Um, and now I've come to the, I've come to the conclusion that Look, um, I I really object to post-traumatic stress disease. Uh, it's not a disease. It's, it's the natural human reaction to high stress, mm-hmm. life or death situations. And frankly, I think it builds character. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's way too much tendency on the part of all veterans to cry the poor ass and just say, well, uh, woe is me. I've You know, I've been through a traumatic experience, so therefore I'm injured and I'm doomed to be a cripple psychologically for the rest of my life and give me a lot of money. Um, I object to that and I'm on a soapbox about it lately, um, Mm -hmm. which sometimes doesn't make me very popular, but the hell with it. (laughs) Uh, It's what I think and it's, and it's what I'm going to say. Um, but, um, look, it, it is a real thing. But it is not a crippling thing. It can be a thing that if you learn to deal with it, um, that actually makes you better and stronger. And I like to think that the period that I went through uh, did that. It it gave me some some real uh, grit in the gut. And it, it taught me that, that you're going to get hit, you're going to get hurt, um, and you've got to get up and you've got to be strong enough mentally as well as physically to deal with it. And if you do, uh, you become a much, much better human being.
2: Yeah. I mean, it, it has to be tough. You know, when you're in combat, you're in war situations and you lose someone in your unit. Is that I mean, do you have yeah. to have short term memory on something or, or is that something that's still, you know, does that last a lifetime with you or, or do you kind of have to go, you know what, I've got to i got to forget this. Now, obviously, I know right now, you're, you, you know, you can kind of sit back and reflect. But I guess in combat, you almost have to have short term memory about it, right?
1: You you have to you have to get over it in a hurry. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know that short term memory is is the right term, but you you're you're moving in the right direction. You you have to be able to accept it and move on. Um, the time for contemplating it, the time, the time for mourning, uh, when you're in combat is later. Um, and, and you should feel free to do that, but you can't let it debilitate you. You can't, I've seen it happen. I've seen guys, um, lose somebody very, I've lost somebody very close to me. And, uh, and, and at that moment, the world seems to end. Uh, but it it hasn't and it can't um, and you must not let it. Uh, so you have to simply steal up. You have to man up and get over that moment and continue through and do what you need to do and take care of your brothers and 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 get the mission accomplished and then mourn later
0: well we uh we had heard from i mean a lot of what you're saying resonates with uh an interview we did earlier with uh, a gentleman named his name is michael hawk he had uh, done a Mm -hmm. reality show he was he was uh was he um i think terry was he a ranger or in the special forces yeah special Mm forces we even asked him if he knew who you were he knew who you were but he had never spoke to you before i think he said he met you once or twice but uh he said he he admired your work as well but Mm -hmm. um he had talked about the whole ptsd and it was just a matter of identifying it and getting some help if you know you need it and Mm -hmm. he even had he said he had it um he didn't he didn't realize that's what the problem was but he had he said the same the exact same thing you did he would not talk to anybody that wasn't in the military didn't understand what he had gone through or just didn't have the patience for it so um but yeah he um a lot of what you're saying is, is very identical to what he said. So I think it's just a matter you know, of and, people getting help.
1: Yeah, the, the interesting thing is, um, you know, we, because we're brought up in sort of a Judeo-Christian masculine ethic, mm-hmm. um, we, we tend to eat that stuff. We tend to swallow it. And I found, especially in the work I'm doing now in movies and television, training other, other people, young actors, um, it's, it's a kind of, kind of a catharsis. I, I got it out instead of letting it sit in my gut and rot for decades. Um, and the writing I did, in, in many ways, was cathartic. Um, it's one of the reasons, you know, I, I started Warrior's Publishing Group. Let let those veterans who have got these great stories, let them, I'll get them published. I'll get them out there, you know, so people can share it. But but they, they, the reverse benefit of that is that by writing about it, by talking about it, they get it out there. Um, and, and that, that runs kind of counter to the masculine warrior image, I guess. Um, but, but really if you do it, if you're willing to do it, and I'm not talking about sitting in some, you know, uh, dancing around the maypole and, and singing Kumbaya, <laughs> but I'm, but I'm talking about finding somebody that you can talk to about it. Uh, just re revisit the experience, you know, in words in conversation. Uh, sometimes that feels like flushing the toilet. You know, you 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 get that out there and uh, and it, it makes you makes you feel a little cleaner, a little better. Uh, and so I'm an advocate of it.
2: Okay. What do you th- what do you think today? Like, obviously, the military today versus what you went through is obviously completely different. What's your feeling when yeah. like, you know, like how now they can pull the stress cards and all the things that go on. Do you feel the military's any different than the way it was when you went through it?
1: Yes. And, and I think what's happened, unfortunately, is um, certain elements of our political leadership have found the military to be a great petri dish for social experimentation. Mm-hmm. And they've done so, and they've done so to the detriment of the, the basic ability of, uh, of the military to build that warrior spirit. Uh, that warrior spirit is what sustains you through the hard times, and the more the politicians get in there and dick around with it, mm-hmm. um, the worse off we are. Uh, we've we've got to. I mean, for instance, you you take this business of of integrating uh, males and females in the ranks of the straight line combat units. Now, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of females in the military, and I think I think they have. They bring a tremendous amount of talent, skill, motivation, dedication to the table. But when it comes down to ground combat, Mm. I don't think we need to be mixing the sexes. There is already enough tension. Mm -hmm. And there's there, you know, these are 18, 19, 20 year, year old's male and female, who were beset with raging hormones. All you got to do is think back on your high school years to figure that out. <laughs> a long time ago. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, but it was a significant point in your life, and don't tell yeah. me it wasn't, Are you lying. <laughs> oh, no.
0: Uh, the, oh, no. <laughs>
1: the, the point is you, you've got to deal with those things, and on top of that, you've got to deal with all of the stress that training for ground combat brings. Um, and you look for outlets, and and you look for that that tremendous brotherhood, and I use that word advisedly, that that you're trying to build, and that is that is the key to success in combat. And and you don't need anybody putzing around with that. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, uh, we've had people who see it differently, and who think that the military should be a an absolute mirror reflection of civilian society and it cannot be and it must not be and they have they have fooled around in there i think to the detriment of of uh, our ability to train warriors and fight wars
0: well on that note since we're talking about today's military and what's going on today uh i did get a question about this but also i'm kind of curious what your opinion is uh about what's currently going on with north korea um and uh somebody had asked me what they thought maybe you your opinion was on us dropping um, the Moab as far as do you, you think that was a message to North Korea or do that was
1: a big ass neon sign
0: pretty much that's what <laughs> I think too was. but
1: um, you know blink 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 pay attention um, <laughs> look I, I, I applaud the current administration for letting the generals do what they need to do letting the warriors do what they need to do uh, so dropping the Moab, which was a, not a decision from the White House, it was a de- decision from the theater commander. Mm-hmm. And I think that was terrific. And I think it had the effect of being that blinking neon sign to Pyongyang. Now, Pyongyang is has been, you know, has been a an itchy burr in the saddle of Western civilization for a long time. Frankly, they got a bull goose loony who's running that country, and I, I say that advisedly. Um, I don't think the guy is stable. Uh, and when you've got an unstable guy with his finger on the button, now people would say to me, "Yeah, well, how about Donald Trump? He's an unstable guy with his finger on the button." I don't think that's true. <laughs> right. um, but I do think it's true when it comes to um, Kim Il Sung in in North Korea. Um, this guy has got to be controlled. Now, how's it gonna happen? Well, we've threatened him. I think China is a key. If China is willing to impose some sort of um tariffs or some sort of um, some sort of imposition of, of control on North Korea, uh the world is better off. I think they will, but I think it will come at a price. I think China is going to say, "Look, okay, we'll we'll keep the idiot under control. We'll keep the loony locked in his cage. But we need this, we need that, and and I think we're going to have to negotiate that um, because the only other option is to go to go in there and take the bull goose loony out, uh, and that is really a can of worms. I mean." If we start shooting in North Korea, North Korea is immediately going to retaliate on South Korea, and now we've got a war in. You know, we've got another land war in in Asia, and I think we we've, we've learned that that never ends well. So uh, I I don't know what to say except that uh, he's got to be controlled, and we need to do whatever is necessary to control
0: him. It just feels like the rhetoric is ramping up every time you turn the news on. It's more it- of uh, they're playing videos of blowing up the White House, and although yeah, uh, that's not the first time they've done that. <laughs> so mm-hmm. no, it is. And uh, a lot of uh, experts are coming out and saying that a lot of the gear they were parading around in that parade they did recently is so old, um, it's yeah. secondary, you know, secondary hardware that could fail when they go to like the.
1: Yeah, you, you hear a lot of you hear a lot about the, you know, the ICBM that can reach U.S. territory like mm-hmm. Guam or, or the West Coast of the United States. That's not really the fear. The fear is that he will start a badass shooting war with South Korea, mm-hmm. which is an ally that we're absolutely pledged and, and confirmed to support. Uh, so we would have to go in there and and, and respond to that. That's really the problem. Um, now, it I don't know exactly what the plans are, but I do know from my contacts that I maintain in the military that, that there's a contingency if if we have to do this. But nobody wants to. Mm-hmm. Um, Kim Il-sung Kim Il-Un is is really tra- testing the waters. There's a new administration. He got away with all kinds of bat crap uh, under the past administration. Now, you can like that or lump that but he's now trying to see how far he can push this new guy mm-hmm. and if we appear to be malleable then he continues to push that's what i mean he has no sense of worldliness he has no sense of he's he's such an ego maniacal dictator that he has no sense of anything he does having any effect beyond what he feels it will do for him personally and his regime personally that's dangerous. And that's where we are with him. Oh boy,
0: mm. yeah.
2: That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, just by just by listening to you, I, I heard you say that that really, really wasn't what you thought Trump was about. Do you like Trump? Are you a fan of Trump? Do you think that he's going to be good for the United States or are you a little nervous of him yet?
1: No, nope, I voted for him uh, yeah. and I'm not nervous yet. I think <laughs> I think people are people are, are being too impatient with him. Um, no president under our system can get things done by snapping his fingers. Um, uh, and, and he's got a, he's got a hostile Congress. He's got a, uh, or he has hostile elements in Congress. He has, he has, uh, I think a hostile press. I don't want to sound like Rush Limbaugh here, but, <laughs> but, but I think that it, it really remains to be seen. I'm confident that he is at least not of the political ilk. He's the kind of guy that understands from business, and he's had plenty of success in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's the kind of guy that understands that if you say you're going to do something, you need to do it. Uh, it probably is going to take him much longer than he would want or the nation would want. But I think he'll get it done. I have that confidence.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I feel like um, they asked him. He wouldn't directly answer the question about when they dropped the Moab, But I, I think the, ans- the answer that, uh, like what you just said, I feel personally that that bomb would have been dropped probably years ago, but that administration wouldn't allow it. And I feel like now uh, the decisions were put back into the people who should be making the decisions when it comes to fighting a war. Uh, terrorism, and instead of being fought by the politicians, it needs to be fought by the people who know how to, to handle these things, and let them make. Yeah, those now, decisions.
1: now what we've, yes, absolutely. And now that now that the, the decision making power is put back in their hands, we have to hope uh, that they, in the ten or twenty years they've used to get to the senior ranks, have not become politicians instead of warriors. Um, and I don't know about that. Um, I think I think there is a generation of senior officers who have had to play politics their entire career. And and I'm hoping that, um, you know, that that seed that was planted when they started, that they are warriors and they are servants of the people and they are defenders of the people uh, will grow and prosper uh, now that they have an opportunity to actually exercise uh, their power, their authority And their skills.
2: Yeah, absolutely, Dale. I mean, obviously, you've given us a ton of time, and we greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much. But there was something really quick. I I I seen a quote on your website where you said, and I quote, "I enjoy taking off the uniform once in a while, especially when I get a chance to do some comedy." Is that true? Is that is that something? Do you really want to? Would you really like to do the comedy aspect of things?
1: Yeah, I I absolutely would. Look, I I have this insane sense of humor uh, that's gotten me in trouble more than once, but. But I love to laugh, and um, and and I get a kick out of silly things, and and I see roles on television every once in a while. I say, "Oh God, I would love to do that. I'd eat that alive." Um, so yeah, I I don't get the get the opportunity very often, but uh, because I think I'm probably the most typecast guy in Hollywood, me and Lee Ermy, but, (laughs) but, um, but when I get that shot, I mean, I take it, I, you know, it doesn't, they don't even have to pay me. Just let me come in and and do some gags. I mean, I, I, I kind of like that and it's all part of entertaining, which I think is all part of teaching, which is, which is the key, the heart and soul of training. And uh, and so I I love to do it, and I wish I had more opportunity.
2: I'm going to give you a little bit of an opportunity right here, Dale, right <laughs> yeah. now. Okay, because okay. I okay. I got a little game with you. I want to do a little bit of lightning round with you. Okay, I'm going to ask you some Two. questions and just give me a okay. simple yes, no, or have you lost your mind? Dale Dye would never do that. Okay, are you ready? Right. This one's yeah. how much of a how much of a badass is Dale Dye? Okay, you ready? <laughs> All right. Would you yeah. would you get a manicure? No. Would you get a pedicure?
1: Not No, but hell no.
2: <laughs> oh, well, you said what? would you, did you, have you? <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: All right. Would you
1: take a bubble bath? Yeah, I'd take a bubble bath, especially right. if there was a beautiful woman in the oh, with me. But,
2: what a uh, great answer. Great answer. How about wear a pink shirt?
1: Yeah, I'd wear a pink shirt if I had the right tie,
0: All right. And <laughs> if I was in
1: the right place. And uh, anyway, go ahead.
2: Yeah. Shave your legs. Negative. <laughs> <laughs> all right here's here's my final one for you and this one's gonna be of the man of all Mans ready? Yeah. would Dale would Dale die ever ask for directions?
1: Yes, but he'd feel like shit. <laughs> Great answer.
2: I love it. <laughs> Dale, man, we want to say thank you for everything. We would to literally, man, we got We got to say thank you for your service in the United States military. Thank you for allowing us to be part of some of the greatest war movies ever. And thank you for being a true American hero. Dale, we greatly appreciate every ounce of time you gave to us tonight. Could not be more happy. It's been an honor.
1: Kerry, Jack, it's my honor. And thanks very much, guys. You're, you're champions. And good luck with the project. Keep rocking. Thank, Thank you, sir. So
0: appreciate it's it. Have a, a great one. night. Okay, buddy. I, I, I don't know about you. Uh, that was That's fantastic. my hero. Oh, man. That
2: man is my hero.
0: Just, I mean, I, honestly, you didn't hear a lot of us breaking in. Um <laughs> no, Because no. it's like you want to take in everything he's saying. You want to give him a chance <laughs> to talk and uh, especially like so serious notes that the P, you know, the PTSD oh, is like, hey, you're not gonna really cut somebody off when you're talking that. So, mm-hmm. but um, and he would take a bubble bath as long as there's a
2: beautiful lady in there. I would too, of course. So <laughs>
0: I, I want to throw out there real quick because we didn't have him do it, but I'm gonna do it for him. So. Check out his website at warriorsinc.com. So he's got blog on there and some videos and a whole bunch of little crazy little links on there to check out everything and the current news. And it's it's actually a pretty cool site, Mm warriorsinc.com. Then I want uh, everybody... He mentioned all the books that he sells. I definitely want everybody to go check out his... uh, Because the link's on that website as well, but I am going to say it. It's uh, warriorspublishing.com, which is a publishing company I think he was talking about. So that's warriorspublishing.com.
2: Well, I can assure you... You go to thestatementshow.com and you see his uh, interview. I'll have all the links put up there for you guys. You can click right there. Just go straight to thestatementshow.com. You'll see all those links right there. I will make sure they're all up there for Dale. I can promise you that.
0: Yeah. While you're there, go ahead and listen to any of our past episodes. Michael Hawk, Um just uh i mean that that obviously i'm just thinking the military right now because i got man i got him on the brain it's like so mm-hmm. it's like first of all i you know i i only mentioned it briefly man band of brothers is my favorite oh. i watch i have that box that i've watched that so many times it's not even funny and he yeah. played colonel sink so he's like he's like uh he's got like a little bit part uh, and not that it was bit but you know it wasn't huge but he was he seems to be like in there kind of woven into all those projects now i don't know about some of the other movies he's been all technical advice advisor on but i don't know it's just anybody you know I, i've had a couple of people and they don't right off the bat when you say dale die everybody knows who i'm talking about but as soon as you right. show the picture like oh i know him oh and him so, okay yeah yeah, yeah exactly so,
2: yep, yep, exactly
0: <laughs> but yeah. he's 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 one cool badass i love it. so kidding when you think of people like dale die it's badass michael hawk it's badass when you think of uh, uh what do you say remy <laughs> yeah oh <laughs> okay. yeah I, I got schooled on that one <laughs> I <laughs> still can't think of the name. <laughs> I definitely want to have him on the show, though. But uh, I, Man, I had a great time talking to Dale. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's just, you, you, you know, you have those uh, those movies and those projects, and, you know, you're going to start thinking of questions after he's gone already. But all those projects that he's done, man. Well, man. when he does a couple
2: more, we'll get him back on, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> uh, like I said, warriorsinc, uh, dot com. Go to his website and check it out. But you also want to go to our website. Which is go ahead,
2: www.thestatementshow.com. You know, you always get on me. You know how you say, "Do we really need to add the www?" Come on, now, come on. I, don't, no, come on, I don't know that we do. Do we? Do, do we need to? Add do that? we
0: need the www on this shit no more? No, is it? Isn't that just kind of? That's kind of there. It's kind of. Should nice. I put that on Twitter? Should I? Should I make that like a Twitter question? Yeah, <laughs> like, do, do we like need one, to, one of your famous Twitter surveys? Do we need <laughs> do the Twitter. www anymore? I don't so, think we do. But anyway, well, either way,
2: so either go to thestatementshow.com or www.thestatementshow.com or www. Statement I'm not sure. But anyway, you'll see his interview going to be links to books, to his websites, to everything all past episodes like Zach was talking about. You're going to see them all there. We've got tons of them. We've got tons more coming. Uh, Can't really talk about too much right now, but I can assure you we've got some really, really great interviews that are lined up right now. Uh, So make sure you uh, you stay with us. Follow us on Twitter at the statement show. All the other ones, Zach, I'm I'm, I'm going to draw Facebook. a blank. So,
0: so yeah. uh, I'm just going to throw it out there real quick. So here it is, one time. And again, after the end of the show, and we'll throw it up at the beginning of the show, so you have to hear about 50 million times. But anyway, right. Facebook, it's at The Statement Show. Follow us on Facebook. And then iTunes, most importantly, subscribe to us on iTunes, The Statement. It's just The Statement with the microphone, which, you know, we're in the midst of kind of redesigning and rethinking some things about some of the front end of the show. And But, hey, it's a work in progress, so that's what I like doing about the show. It's always ever-changing. So We're a work in progress. Yeah, so just, like I said, subscribe to The Statement on iTunes and leave a review. And, uh, man, I don't care. Honest opinion. Honest opinion. Uh, good or bad. Um, and then mostly good. Yeah, mostly good because I'll cry to iTunes to take off the bad stuff. (laughs) But, uh, you know, you know, um, Terry's been doing a great job with, um, with the Twitter and. Oh, thank you, man. But you know, I don't know. And all editing, I don't know what he's gonna assure- do if they go out of business. We're we're screwed. <laughs> well, we're in trouble.
2: We're in trouble when Twitter goes out. Yeah. And I can assure you guys, all this editing, everything that you hear, that's Zach. He's the man. Without without Zach, these things would not be, become published and I wouldn't be able to do the things that I do. So we try to work on it together. I can assure you this is not an easy process to run a podcast. Anybody that thinks it is when you're just two people trying to get them done yourself. We don't have a staff. We don't have any of that kind of stuff. It's just Zach and I and we're doing what we can. It's probably sometimes it's a little later than others. And then you're not gonna see some things from Twitter. It's because we're normal human beings. I promise you that. We're nothing special, but we do try to put everything out as quickly as possible.
0: We try to put all the things out. I don't know about hmm. him. I'm I'm something special. Terry, <laughs> maybe not. Okay. I that's yeah. understood. But I don't know what the fuck he's talking about. I'm special. So it's just, <laughs> oh. no one's
2: telling you're special. Oh, just man. special in your own mind. Yeah. Oh, well.
0: So I <laughs> want to say thank you to Eric Saunders for some of the great questions. I know he was busting the gut, getting me some of those questions, and we didn't ask everything, but we had a lot of questions for, for Dale. I, I wanted his opinion on the whole North Korean thing, and mm-hmm. uh, I'm glad he, he just gave us the straight shit, you know, straight poop, straight shit, shit either way. So. But yeah i mean i don't know about you but the, that sounds like it's a good wrap on things so yeah so anyway you all know how it goes the lights are out
1: see ya that was a big ass neon sign
2: pretty much
0: that's <laughs> what <laughs> i think too was. but am i saying that right yeah army yeah Her- Her- what Her- do Her- i have Her- to do
1: here
0: <laughs> pay attention it's lee army <laughs> er- <Me. laughs> see
2: that marine corps is already coming out on him zach would you get a pedicure
1: not nobody hell no
0: Uh, Well, you said, would you? Did you? Have you? (laughs) (laughs) All right. We want to thank our amazing guest, Dale Dye, for coming on the show. And again, we want to remind everybody to follow us on Twitter, at Statement Show. Subscribe to the show on iTunes and leave a review, please. You'd really be helping us out. That's The Statement. Go ahead and listen to us on YouTube, follow us on Facebook at The Statement Show, and follow us on Instagram, Statement Show. You can remember that, right? (laughs) Anyway, the lights are out.